Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. How do you approach the relationships in your life as far as what you expect from other people? I found that there are a few types of people in relationships, the giver, the taker, and the waiter. There's a couple of books on this out there, but I think that it's important to understand the differences, but more importantly, what you need to do in order to have great relationships in life. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the waiter, because it's not a waiter in the context of serving things up for you. I mean, they are in a relationship with you and are highly engaged only after you've made contact. They literally wait to be invited back into the relationship. The giver, well, that's the person who gives without an expectation of a return, and the taker is someone who takes without giving back. There are all types of combinations of these three descriptions, and each of us on any given day can be any of them, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure that any of them is better than the other at least not on the receiving end. However, in life, our relationships are truly solidified by whatever our expectations for others are. If we expect others to give us and they don't, we're disappointed. If we expect others to allow us to give things to them and they insist on paying us back or feel they owe us, well, that too can be disappointing. And then there is the waiter who, if we wait for them, we're disappointed that they never reach out to us. What role are you in the relationships you have with others? I ask because as we head into summer, the season provides us a lot of opportunities to reflect and improve ourselves as well as those we serve. Leaders, as we know, recognize that they have influence. And our influence can come from our behaviors, our mindsets, our talents, our lifestyles, and our attitude. Yet, a great leader, partner, or friend is someone who operates recognizing that some days you're going to give more and some days you're going to get more. And that, well, that there is no scorecard in friendship or in life. Let's quickly review our roles in the lives of others. First, we are all leaders and we recognize that our influence is making a difference for ourselves and others. And we are buffaloes who optimistically charge into the storms that we face so that we can get to the other side of what's challenging us and enjoy the warmth of life that comes from getting back into the sunshine. This episode was sparked by a request I had last week at a wedding. I was, with five minutes notice, asked to give a speech to the bride and groom. And I, well, I had had a few libations from the open bar, but it didn't stop me. I got up and went full buffalo and shared what I think the key is to a great relationship and partnership. And when I finished, I met a friend of the groom's who actually listens to the podcast. And he said, hey, while that was a speech about love, it was actually a leadership discussion. You should put that on your podcast. Well, here it is. Oh, wait. Before I get into the discussion, I want to first talk to you about what doesn't work, because I know that speech as well. You know what doesn't work? Leaders who expect something in return. Friends who expect you to pay them back for favors owed. When others have an inability to let go of past indiscretions, there is an unwillingness to communicate or a perpetual habit of being disappointed in others for not meeting a need that you never spoke about. An unspoken expectation, well, that can never be met. You see, too often others believe that if I do something for you, you'll do something for me. That mindset leads to a lot of disappointment and frustration. It messes with motivation and likely leads to a lifetime of just plain old disappointment. 
So, too, does the mindset that relationships are 50-50. If you believe that a relationship is, I mean, I get as much as I give, that there is some sort of a bank that people make deposits in and that you get more if you give more, well, I'm here to tell you that you're going to struggle over the course of your work relationships. You're going to frequently be frustrated with others that you love and you are going to find yourself very disengaged, geez, in general, in work, in life, and chasing a happiness that's pretty difficult to catch. What does work? What I talked about in the speech. Four things. 70-30 principle. Do-overs. Putting each other first and making your home or your office the center of the known universe. Take this for whatever it's worth. But great leaders recognize that relationships are never even. They're never equal. And seeking that, well, trying to get him to be equal, that just will lead to conflict. Please listen to the context of my advice to the newly married couple in the idea that their relationship or your relationship with others, and then think of how to apply this to those you love and serve each day. Here's the deal. A great friendship and relationship begins with mindset. What is it that we have in common? What is it that we get energy from? What is it that makes me want to be here for you and vice versa? Once we have the connection established, the relationships from that point forward needs to work because it needs work. And it needs work because you have to put in effort, pay attention, be dedicated, bring energy, and commit to one thing, bettering each other. That's when we make a decision, and the decision that needs to be made is that of the 70 to 30 principle. Here's how it feels. There will be some days when you have energy, and there will be other days when you don't. Either way, it'll be a 70-30 day. Some days you're going to come in and give 70% because the other person only has 30% capacity. You will give way more than you will get, and that's okay. You will work more. You will do more. You will listen more. You will provide more. And that, too, is okay. Because at no time will you take account of what you are giving. Because if you do so, you'll position yourself to be the version of yourself that the other person needs in the moment. And that is all of you. I'm serious. Think about it. If you do so, if you give 70% when they need it, because they've only got 30% and you can make them 100%, that's the best feeling in the world. Going into the moment recognizing that the other person needs you is motivation enough to lift you more. You see, when another person is in need and you don't share an expectation that you'll be owed if you do more, well, that is the ultimate level of safety in a relationship because the other person knows they don't owe anything. And if you continually demonstrate that over time and they too demonstrate that as well, that's just simply called a relationship. When you are the giver, there has to be no guilt associated with your behavior or your energy. Statements that need to be avoided are things like, oh, I had a tough day, and this is a lot for you to ask for me. That'll kill the opportunity to serve the other person when they need it most. Giving more than you receive should be the gift, and energy should follow with this, and that is why it is a powerful principle. Because one day, in the certain future, you will be at 30% and need to be in a position to accept someone else's 70%. There's a real element of grace involved in this type of a relationship. Grace being the ability to be courteous and accepting of the goodwill coming your way from other people. It's so hard for so many people. They feel guilty. But relationships that are 70-30, they do have one debt. When you practice the 70-30 principle with those you love, those you serve, those around you, well, your debt is simply paid with one other key behavior. Gratitude. 
just recognizing that someone stepped in there for you. Seriously, the best relationships simply don't recognize the other person. They recognize that the other person gave 55, 60, 65, 80% more than you did. And that you, on the receiving end, you noticed, you appreciated it. And you're both moving forward with any, without any sort of expectation that someone now owes me or you owe someone else. On the days you only have 30% to give, it's the exact same principle. Allow others to support you. Don't be afraid to ask. And most importantly, make certain to verbally indicate that you just don't have what it takes. Allow them to step into the storm with you. Otherwise, we, those that serve alongside you or love you, are left wondering what is wrong and either become defensive or annoyingly tenacious in our inquiries and then both parties lose when one person quits on the other through simple frustration and stubbornness. I'm giving you permission to tell me when you don't have what you need emotionally. That's the greatest statement in the world. I'm giving you permission to tell me what you need when you don't have energy or when you're not in the mindset. Allow me to step in there so I can support you. That's all you have to say to other people. It is the most powerful when you can establish a language with your partners and teammates to just simply engage each other. One of my favorite shows, Ted Lasso, they demonstrate this perfectly with the relationship between Ted and Rebecca. It's a boss and subordinate relationship as well as a friendship, and they have a simple code word for each other when they want to call the other person out or put them into the arena of honesty. When one feels the other's holding back, the other person simply says, Oklahoma. And then they are obligated to cut through the baloney and speak the truth. It's not some sort of magical formula. It is instead a preconceived and understood process for allowing both parties to get to it. 70-30. Some days you're going to give and some days you're going to get. But whichever side you are on, it's about love and grace and moving forward together. So what's that second piece? Well, it's a strategy for when we get stuck. It's a strategy that has been very effective for my wife Megan and I since we started dating, oh, a century ago. We are both teachers, and Megan for years was a teaching and working in our city's recreation department in the park program. The program was basically an afternoon program where there were high school and college kids who were the park leaders who each day provided games and crafts and adventures and field trips with the neighborhood kids who would come to the park. Kids came and went all afternoon, and there were a lot of opportunities for conflict in the games and competitions. Now, anyone who went to school knows that kids have this incredible process to end conflict during the battles of Foursquare and basketball or tag or whatever. Anyone, at any time, can call for a do-over. In life, things can be personal really quick. They get personal really fast. One person who had an unmet expectation or woke up on the wrong side of the bed can really set off others. And sometimes, even in the best relationships, there needs to be a process to flip the switch so that both parties have permission to get out of whatever vortex of frustration they were sucking themselves into. Many times, we are trapped in our own stubbornness. We have to be right. They have to apologize. They are insensitive. I was wronged. They should know what I'm going through. Without an immediate and pre-established out, we can get trapped into a cycle of frustration and anger and arguing and as a result, destroy a perfectly good day or worse, relationship. Practice do-overs or a code. 
to get out of a sticky situation. It works. I know. <laughs> I've asked for a few do-overs in the 30 years I've been with my beautiful wife, Megan. As soon as our kids could speak, as soon as they could speak, we put in the next core concept. We talked about this core idea of respect for each other, and our language was very simple. We put everyone else first. In a strong relationship, you don't put yourself first. You are constantly wondering, what does the other person need from me in order to be the best for themselves? What can I do different to support them, and how can I make this easier for them? In our house, when the kids were little, we had a small sign that read, Those who enter this house put the needs of others first. And when one of our kids would start to melt down because we put in place a boundary and would not let them cross it, or as they got older and said things like, well, all the other parents let the kids, all I had to do was empathetically say, hey, who are you putting first right now? If friendships and relationships have no scorecard and you are truly interested in leading others so they can get to where it is they want to be and need to be, then you are giving more than you are getting. You have codes to support each other and have high expectations for shifting behaviors as needed. Then the final step, well, that'll be simple. Make your home, your office, your classroom, your workstations, make them the center of the known universe and have it filled with traditions and maybe chocolate. Relationships are best when they are predictable. The stronger the ability is to predict the reactions, the stronger the bonds, and most importantly, the safer those relationships are. One of the core strategies of my marriage has been Sunday dinner. On average, we host people at our house between 45 and 48 Sundays a year. We want to. We want everyone to know that they can come over for dinner. We want our home to be the gathering place of our entire family. And we want our friends to know that they're always welcome as well. It's important to me because I learned a long time ago that an awful lot gets done at the Sunday dinner table. My children, each other, our friends, and our family have learned and had reinforced skills like conflict resolution, compromise, negotiation, love, humor, interdependency, predictability, and most importantly, the safety of the tradition of just knowing it's going to happen. As a leader serving others or loved ones, what conditions are you creating to support the safety and predictability of your friends and family? Arguments about politics can flare up at our dinner table, and as our children have gotten older, they're not afraid to step into those conversations to advocate for underdogs because they've been watching how to formulate a good position their entire lives. They'll usually win because our dinner table has basically been a 20-year-long workshop on how to deal with life and other people. I love that Craig Weber always states it that way. In the workplace, be the person who makes their area the comfy place. I work with two newer colleagues and they share an office space. They set up a coffee station in their space and it quickly became a place that people visited daily because it's safe, predictable, and it always smells amazing. I used to have a principal who had a treat drawer filled with snacks in his office. Pretzels, candy, chips, granola bars, chocolate... All kinds of stuff. And we were all welcome to go in there. If I needed a little energy, I'd go in there. Or if I needed to process something, that snack drawer was a great excuse to stop in and ease my way into some much-needed mentoring. And years later, he told me, that's why I had it there. Our kitchen table has witnessed great periods of joy, sharing, celebration, tragedy, and love. Can you create conditions like that? I hope so. Because you can do that as well in every arena of your leadership. 
Let's break this down in the simplest of terms in a recipe for you as a leader, whether that is a parent, a teacher, a boss, a friend, or a spouse. Live 70-30 in your expectations for energy. Create a language and allow others to have a way out if they've dug too deep. A do-over. Honor them by putting them first and finally create the traditions of safety by ensuring a regular and routine place to go each week or day. Okay, this was not the speech I did on the spot. I only had six minutes with a very specific explanation. It was much shorter and no detail of what I just talked about with you. But it was that simplicity. 70-30. It works. And it ended, well, it ended with me doing a German drinking cheer and pulling a beer out of my suit coat pocket. But this version that I just gave you will hopefully help you find a way to make it better for those you love and serve. As a matter of fact, if I were working with a small team of people where we might have a little conflict or there might be a little bit of friction, I might have them listen to this podcast and then sit down and come up with the different ways in which we can create a language that we can make sure that when we don't have the energy that we can talk about it, that we have traditions in place and that we create the conditions so that we all feel safe in our relationships with the courage to charge into the storm for one another. In our relationships with others, it's never too late to grow. And when you throw in the 70-30 principle, create some process and make it safe, well, you'll be able to charge into anything anything you're facing together. So let's do some smart thinking. Describe relationships that help you. List the people you can serve better with the 70-30 principle. And develop a code to support others. Like, can we just do a do-over? That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please remember to share and rate this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on as well as remembering the awesome well pennies that give us great music to accompany the podcast. Please follow them on your platform and share their music with others. Finally, this summer at the Summer Leadership Retreat, our focus is going to be on organizational communication practices and teaming tools. Most of our conflict with others is communication, and that's my final thought for you. Years ago, I heard a psychologist speaking about the keys to great parenting, and she stated, Silent expectations can never be met. It was a huge mindset for me because most of the frustration I've had in my life is as a result of me being disappointed in others for things they didn't even know I needed or wanted or expected. As you head into your day today, I want you to think about each interaction you have and how much you give and how much you get, how you approach those relationships and what processes you have in place. The first step to being honest with others is to first be honest with yourself. And the power comes from the confluence created from a great relationship that is filled with selflessness, service, and a little love. As Ringo says in the Beatles song, I get by with a little help from my friends. This week, be that friend. Give more, get more, and speak your truth. This song by the Well Pennies is called The Wedding Song. See what I did there? I want to build a home And we'll grow a garden wherever we sow Together we'll chase the clouds away And I want to hold your hand And live in the moment whenever we can
for you every single day With all my heart Forever I do Forever I do love And from the start I already knew I already knew Always knew it was you Forever I do, forever